0: This is Novel Marketing, the show for novelists who aren't necessarily fond of marketing, but still want to become best-selling authors. Episode 117. I'm James L. Rubart, but please call me Joe. I'm Thomas Umstead, Jr.
1: And I'm Tracy Higley.
0: And in this episode, we're going to talk about how to make your next year your best year. And joining us to help Thomas and I out with this is a special guest and a good friend of both of ours, Tracy Higley, who you just heard say hello now tracy here here 's the resume on resume on tracy you 're going to love this she 's a best selling novelist she 's CEO of an extremely successful retail business she 's a part time college professor she 's the president of impactivity and she 's a mom of four so you 've probably already guessed that Tracy has figured out how to clone herself. No, but seriously, Tracy, <laughs> unless you have Tracy, I, I don't know, maybe she has, but no, seriously, Tracy, yeah, she, she obviously knows what it's like to be super busy, but here's the key point, handle it well. However, she definitely went through the process of crashing and burning more than once, and she would tell you that, but that means she's figured out at this point in her life how to be highly entrepreneurial and at the same time find an extremely good balance in her life. And like I said, Thomas and I are really good friends with Tracy, so we see her living out this balance and at the same time accomplishing all these things. And at this point, she really loves showing other people, hey, <laughs> you don't have to crash and burn as many times as I did, and she loves teaching other people how to set goals, how to find a centered life and how to pursue a life that's not only healthy, but has lasting impact. So Tracy, thank you so much for being with us.
1: Thank you. Thrilled to be here. Love you guys. Yeah, it's So
2: thank you. For, yeah, It's so important for, uh, as we, you know, look back on the last year and look forward to a new year, a lot of people, this is their opportunity to make some key changes that will help make themselves more successful in the next year, whether that's what they're writing or with their marketing or something else. And Tracy, I know you have a lot to say about this, uh, specifically about planning for success. Uh, But first, I just have to ask, why is planning important? Can't authors just wing it? (laughs) <laughs> oh
1: gee another leading question a at softball all there question. yeah exactly wow um no yes, we cannot can. Next just question. wing it <laughs> yeah <laughs> wouldn't you love it if i said that totally yeah anyway, that'd be great um no they we can't wing it i wish we could but there's really just too much to do right i mean we all feel it we all feel all the different well all the different topics that you guys talk about on this podcast from you know the websites to copywriting to mindset questions to the content itself and you know sales stuff and ads and there's just so much so unless you're going to just stumble into something and be really fortunate in the way it goes for you you're going to have to be intentional you're going to have to plan so there may be a little bit resistance to that for some people but it doesn't have to be difficult it doesn't have to be overwhelming but it is important
2: so how important do you feel goal setting is when it comes to writing and marketing your novel
1: Well, it kind of depends on what we're talking about, what you mean when you say goal setting, because I will say this, if you're talking about planning, then I think, yes, as I said, I think it's really important. And um, Jim mentioned impactivity, which is just a a business that I'm running now and a book that I've written. And we've got six elements to impactivity. And one of them is design. And I'm really a big believer in designing the life that you want to have. So I, I really believe in goal setting in the sense of making a plan and knowing where you're going, being intentional about that. But if by goal setting, you're talking about more of a deadline, you know, goals that we typically set up, and we usually use that word we're talking about, okay, by three months from now, I'm going to have this done. And a year from now, I will have done these 10 things. And, you know, we, we break it all out like that. I'm not a huge fan of deadlines of deadlines that aren't actually real that we're just setting for ourselves, simply to motivate ourselves. I think that if you have to do that to motivate yourself, then you might want to ask yourself, why? Why aren't you motivated simply by the joy of doing what you're doing, of pursuing this dream that you have? And I know that there are tasks that some of us just absolutely hate to do. So if it it's really just to push past procrastination and motivate yourself to do things you don't want to do, I really believe there's better solutions to getting past those things than simply setting these deadlines for yourself and then just sort of scaring yourself by cracking the whip over your own self to get it done. I think there's better ways to attack procrastination than that. so so I guess that's kind of a mixed answer as far as goal setting. I think plan setting is awesome. I think fake deadlines are deadly to the joy that we ought to be able to feel in pursuing the dreams that we have.
2: Wow I like that yeah there's there's this saying in the military that no plan survives contact with the enemy. And when you set like a goal with the deadlines, like we have to take that hill by tomorrow evening, you, know, you don't know what the other side is going to do. And they may do things that make it much harder to take it by your deadline.
1: Right. And it's so and hard to pivot with our deadlines. You know, we we get stuck on them. We we're clinging to them and I will make it. I will do it. And, you know, the rest of life starts to feel like to me, I start resenting the people who are interrupting me and, you know, everything that's getting in my way. And that's that's just a really lousy way to live, I think.
0: Tracy, you bring up a really, you bring up a really interesting point, Tracy, in that I watched this, uh, this thing on Netflix on, on the way our brains work. And the example they gave of how narrow focused our minds are able to be is they had these guys look at a cheerleader straight ahead of them. And they said, do not look to your left or right. And they had two other cheerleaders come into their peripheral vision. And they had to guess whether that was a man or a woman. And they had these guys. Sometimes it was a gal and sometimes it was a guy with a wig on and they could not tell <laughs> in peripheral vision. And I think we can apply that to our lives. We get so narrow focused some sometimes that we miss out on opportunities. I had an old boss that used to say, what was his saying? It was um, goals in concrete and plans in sand. In other words, we have to be willing to shift or change or go out in a different direction or be ready for an opportunity that comes along that doesn't necessarily fit exactly into uh, the way we had it planned out.
1: Right. And when you've got those deadlines, then you just don't want to let yourself do that, which can mm-hmm. really make you miss out on something.
2: The, this writing journey that our uh, listeners are on is such a long journey that you're not going to Be successful in getting to the end. If you're not enjoying the journey, (laughs) like if it's a miserable, like drudgery the whole time, it's like, Oh, I have to write the book. I have to edit it. I have to market it. Like if you're miserable that whole time, you're going to get burnt out before you see success. It takes diligence. It takes persistence to see that success. And, you know, along those lines, uh, what do you think is the most effective way to make uh, next year's marketing efforts successful?
1: Well, I would say again, you know, just in thinking about designing a life, that it's just all about intentionality. So I like to think of the resources that I have in terms of, you know, the resources people talk about time, money, energy. And so before I would even go into thinking about planning for the following year, for next year, and thinking about the strategies and the the tactics and things that I would use, I think I'd back up really and think about time, money and energy. So think about the time, you know, what, what's the ideal amount of time that you'd like to be able to spend on your marketing efforts? And how will that split between the writing itself and the rest of life? So you figure out the the amount of time that you want to be intentional about to give to it this year, think about the money plan for your whole year's marketing budget, if you can. And then I would say, divide that maybe into quarters and only really specifically plan how you're going to spend maybe the first quarter, because again, we want to be able to pivot, we want to be able to react to what's working and what's not working, react to new opportunities, that kind of thing. So I think there's the wisdom in planning the, the marketing budget, say, for the whole year, but really only planning the specifics of how you'll spend it for maybe that first quarter. And then think about your energy. You know, I think some things are harder than others. Some things are more of a drain. Some marketing efforts are more of a drain on our creativity or our willpower or whatever that might be for you. So really take that into consideration when you're planning to spread out that energy drain you know, if you've got some different things that you're planning to do for the year and some of them seem a lot tougher than others to you and and on your energy, then, you know, spread them out. Don't don't pile them all up in the first quarter or leave them all until the last quarter or whatever, you know, really spread that out. So I would I would think about time, money and energy before I would ever even think about the actual strategies that I wanted to put into place this this next year.
0: Tracy, that is that is so spot on. I want to I just want to emphasize that just for a second for people, because you all three of us have actually I've run an ad agency for years and run budgets for people. And you guys have done the same thing for your own businesses and for other businesses. And what I used to tell clients is if you give me a million dollars, I'm going to do something very different with your budget than if you give me a one hundred thousand dollars. And what you seem to be saying, Tracy, is instead of getting caught up in, oh, I need to do Facebook ads and I need to do this and I need to do this, really evaluate, okay, how much money I have, because that's going to determine things I do. How much energy do I have? That's going to determine things I do. So step
2: back before you jump on all these different things you're going to do. I I love that concept. Because somebody who's time rich and cash poor right. is, needs to be taking lots of courses and training to learn how to do things with their time themselves, right? So you take a course on how to build a website. You take a course on how to, you know, do the typesetting for your book. Whereas somebody who is time poor but cash rich, they need to be looking for people to hire and <laughs> be like, "Hey, you know, I'll pay you to build my website. I'll pay you to typeset my book." And those are very different strategies. And if you're both time poor. and and cash poor, you need to just get a job and save some money. <laughs> like you, yeah. you won't succeed if you're not willing to like invest. You have to sow right. before you can reap. Yeah. And the and, only way
1: to uh, know how much of those things that you're going to be able to put out, like you, like Jim said, is not to wing it. You know, through the year, that's that's not a good idea. It's about being intentional about it.
2: So, what does that budget look like? Just to get to real specifics, is this is like opening up a Word document and saying, "In quarter one, I'm willing to spend, you know, five thousand dollars on marketing." Or, you know, what do you what when you put together a budget, what does it look like?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think a total amount for the year is a great idea because that's usually how we all think of our income. You know, what are we making this year? What do we have available this year? So, I think that's a great thing. Um, as far as how to spend it, I think that depends. You know, do you want to load it up front because you want to. You know, spend a little more on a bookbub ad or you know you've got some other opportunity that maybe is a little more costly and you want to you want to try that up front and see what it gets you and see if down the road the revenue comes back and you know you get some return on your ad spend or, or whatever this expenditure is so that you're able to put more into it you know, as you go forward in the year, or maybe you want to divide it equally among the four quarters and think, okay, this is my budget. And that gives me an idea of say, Facebook ads, how much I can spend each quarter and what I really need to see come back in that advertising uh, or whatever, you know, whatever the marketing effort is, I think you've got to decide whether you want to spread it through the year or front loaded or end-loaded, or what that looks like and why.
2: And also a time budget. Say, you know, I'm willing to commit two hours every day to marketing my book, or maybe another way to put it is 10 hours every week. You know, so 10 hours a week, I'm marketing my book, or Two hours a week, because what you—if you have ten hours a week, what you know—the tactics that you can use are much more than if you only have two hours a week, right? You have to be very, or you know, thirty minutes a week. <laughs> so it's like, hmm, right. if you—if we're only doing thirty minutes, what can you do that's really effective in those thirty minutes in terms of your time budget that really helps guide uh, how you're going to use your time moving forward.
0: Well, okay. I, I, we had Joanna Penn on, on a few episodes ago and she talked about brilliant conversation about content marketing, but if you only have 30 minutes a week, you're probably, and you love content marketing, you're probably not going to be able to pull it off simply because that resource isn't there.
1: And I was just going to say that another thing about the time budgeting and really thinking that through and being intentional on that that particular resource, there's a couple of things. One, it helps you be a little bit more accountable to yourself, you know, just saying, okay, this is what I've committed to do. And so I need to do it because I've planned ahead for this kind of time to be put into it. But it also helps you communicate that to the other people in your life who need to respect it and need to um, be able to work around it, you know, that you can communicate to your family, okay, this is, these are the hours or this is the time. Are we all okay with that? Are we all on board with that? Okay, then, you know, next week when I'm in my office and the door's closed and, you know, you might want me to make pancakes for you. You got to understand that that's part of the time where, um, where, you know, we've all agreed that I'm going to put that time in and we're all on board with it. So it, it helps other people, I think, both, you know, both yourself and other people respect it.
2: What advice do you have uh, for people who have a plan, but they have a hard time motivating themselves? So at the beginning of the year, they have all these great hopes and dreams. And then, you know, two weeks later, it's like they're right back to where they were the year before.
1: Yeah. I think one thing I would say is just going back to what I said before, you know, why? Why are you having a hard time motivating yourself? I'm just so much all about self-awareness. And I think it's a huge part of what we talk about in impactivity is just really digging deeper and not just kind of skimming along the surface and, and avoiding and procrastinating and not thinking about it and wasting time doing other things. Like, let's really ask yourself, why? Why am I not feeling motivated? Is it because I'm overwhelmed by this? Task, perhaps I don't really understand it. Uh, it seems too big. I don't really know where to go first. Well, there's strategies then, you know, that can help you get past that that blockage. If it's more that you just it doesn't fit your personality, it's something that you've seen other people do and it seemed like it worked really well for them, and so you feel like oh, I should definitely do that. But you just can't seem to make yourself do it because you just don't like it and it feels icky to you. Whatever that is, well. Do you have to do it? You know, is it really necessary? If if it is totally necessary, then figure out how you can outsource it. You know, find some way to pay somebody or swap with somebody or bribe somebody or whatever you have to do, you know, to, to be able to get someone else to do it for you if it really has to be done. But I think a lot of things that we think we should do, they don't have to be done. So really understanding yourself, understanding who you are, what brings you joy, what is easy for you, what does not drain your energy, and really going after those kinds of efforts. I mean, there's so many things to choose from. Why? And we'll never be able to do them all. So why pick the stuff that you hate? You know, why pick the stuff that you have to whip yourself into a frenzy to try to get it done because you just, you have feel no motivation at all. So I think, you know, the answer is not necessarily just, you know, just do it and find that motivation and, you know, work harder, give yourself a deadline, punish yourself if you don't do it. I, I think there's better answers of really digging a little bit more deeply into why you're feeling that, that hesitation or apathy or lack of motivation or, or whatever it is that you're feeling.
2: And another thing that really helps with motivation, and this is I think a really great thing to implement in the next year as well, is to part of your plan needs to include measurement, right? So if you're spending money on marketing, uh, you need to know that that's working and uh, that it's you're not wasting that money. Or if you're spending time, you need to know that you're getting a good return on your time. And so having you know a tool for helping with bookkeeping like Mint or Zero, uh, really great services that will pull in your credit card transactions and. If if you have a separate account for your writing expenses, you can have a separate Mint account, and you'll be able to see, you know, have a dashboard of how much money am I spending, how much money am I making. And then with time, um, we talked about this on the show about a month or two ago, and I started using it again. It's an a free app called Rescue Time, and it gives you a report on what you've been doing on your computer. And, you know, whether that was productive, kind of productive, not unproductive, or really unproductive. And it looks at, like, what websites you're on, what apps you're using. And that has been so helpful for me, just to be able to, (laughs) because, like, oh, my goodness, I had no idea, you know. And what what I realized is that the time that I'm spending on my computer itself is actually pretty effective, but I'm not nearly spending as much time on my computer as I thought I was. Mm. It was like, wow. I was only on my computer for six hours yesterday. It's like, no wonder I didn't get everything done. You know, I didn't even put in a full eight-hour day, Mm. uh, which is not what I thought. I thought, man, I'm just working and working and working, and I'm wasting my time on social media. And it's like, well, maybe, but I was wasting that time on social media on my phone away from my computer. Mm. It's like, I need to put my butt in my seat. Uh, (laughs) But I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't been measuring my time with rescue time
0: that's good. Cool.
2: That, that's good yeah. that's so good so we're running out of time but real quick tracy what advice do you have for people who hate marketing uh, this is the show for people who hate marketing that still want to become <laughs> no that's not true authors. all of our <laughs> listeners they love marketing
0: <laughs>
1: I think again, just understanding why you hate it and what you hate. You know, there's probably, we, we want to use that broad term. Oh, I hate marketing, but dig a little deeper and figure out, is that really true? Do I really hate every part of it or do I just hate certain things? Do I hate certain strategies? Do I hate certain ways of presenting myself to the world? Are there things that I could do that are fairly easy for me. And because like I said we can't do them all. I mean there's just so many different things that we could do. So pick the strategies, pick the tactics that seem fun to you, not the ones that drain you. And then if there's other things that you feel like have to you have to do but there's just no joy there, then find a way to get it done with someone else.
0: Okay, Tracy, I got one more question for you if you don't mind. Okay. This last October at the Rubart Writing Academy, we had a, a gal come named Grace, and just wonderful, wonderful lady. And she's homeschooling. Okay. So she's Mm -hmm. got she's got all that going on. She's writing. She's working. She's got all these things going on. How does somebody so I'm giving you a real life example. How does somebody, you know, fit that work balance life into all this marketing work on top of it? What kind of advice would you give to somebody who says, uh, yeah, kind of got, you know, the 18 hour day already going? What do I do?
1: Well, I mean, there's some people that simply don't have enough time. And so one of the things that we talk about in impactivity, the second element actually is called unshackle. And it's really, you know, once you've kind of gotten figured out your, what your dream is, it's mm-hmm. figuring out maybe how you can disconnect from some of the things that you've got going on. You know, are there things mm-hmm. that you can you can cut, you can break free from in order to make time for the dream that you feel like you're supposed to be pursuing? So that's part of it. But the other thing I would say is I don't love the whole work-life balance um, idea or the, the phrase itself, I guess, because it kind of implies that there are opposite and that our work is not life-giving or it doesn't feel like life, mm. you know? So what is work is death and the rest of it is life, you know? I don't think that we want to think about our work that way. So, I mean, if you really think that work is the opposite of life, then you you probably need to find other work, I would say, you know? Um, so I really prefer the term work-rest balance because I think that we all have to cycle between these periods of, of working hard and then resting and recharging well and also making sure that we're connecting with other people really well. So I don't know if you know, we don't have time to go into as deep into that question as I would like, but I will say that, you know, you, you've got to take time to, to have downtime. So I would not, Advocate, fitting every single minute. You know, cramming every single minute. Never, never a dull moment. Never a down mm-hmm. moment. You know, because you will burn out, and burnout is the least productive place that you can be. So it really is counterproductive to avoid rest. But I also would say that for a lot of people, you know, maybe not so much for the woman that you just described, who sounds like she is just running like a crazy person. But um, for a lot of people, I think there there probably is some low hanging fruit that you can find in your life where you could you know trim a little bit of the the downtime that you're currently taking that maybe isn't really refueling you it really isn't recharging you it's more just kind of a crash time because you're so exhausted and if you really got a little bit more intentional about resting well maybe you could cut down on some of that you know it's most of the social media stuff that we consume tv a lot of online reading and browsing and that kind of thing there really are better ways to recharge your energy that are much more efficient and with the time that you you save there you can apply that towards something else, whether it's marketing or writing or whatever the dream is that you feel like is, is inside of you.
0: You're not talking about giving up things like binging Stranger Things on Netflix, are you, Tracy?
1: <laughs> well, I did that all on a Saturday, the entire Saturday. So, you know, yeah, I just got it all done at once. Yeah. No, I think you bring
0: up a really good point. I was listening to about a year ago. I heard this kind of podcast. He said, there is a vast difference between relief and rest and refreshment mm-hmm. and we tend to go for things that are relief but because it's easy right it, it actually takes a little bit of work to get to to do things that really refresh us and rest yeah. but what comes out of that is suddenly it's that thing where you go wait a minute is quantum mechanics happening here because i'm getting more done in a shorter period mm-hmm. of
2: time so mm-hmm. i like that you brought that up so tracy where can we find out more about you
1: um, well, I guess the you know I'm sort of scattered around the web as you implied when you were. Uh telling people all the different things that I've got going on. But the main place I would love to connect with people is just at impactivity. So um, impactivity.com. In fact, I was gonna I was gonna say, you know, if procrastination is something that sort of plagues you as a listener. Um, we've got a, a free download that you might enjoy. It's at impactivity.com slash cure, C-U-R-E, because I call it the cure for procrastination. So if that's something that interests you, it's just kind of a tool that you can use to work through, um, you know, why you're procrastinating and try to get a solution. Um, so yeah, definitely find me at impactivity.com. And then the other thing is just the impact Activity podcast um, that we will right at the beginning of the new year be starting a new season so would love to have folks join me there and uh, it would be great
2: all right and we'll have links to both of those things at novelmarketing.com 117 so if you want to check out the podcast or the free Download. Uh, So this episode is brought to you by the five year plan to become a best selling author, which I thought was appropriate given that this is the beginning of the year and planning. Jim, tell us a little bit about the uh, five year plan.
0: Well, we created this course to help guide people through the first five years of their writing career. And we've had a number of people go through it who say, Hey, I'm two years into it. And they've said, Oh, thank you so much, because there's some things I missed that I needed to go back and do again. But Thomas and I like to call it the five year plan to instant overnight success because it does take work. So if you really have a desire, if you're serious about becoming a best selling author, this course will walk you through everything you need to do to get there. Now, fair warning ahead of time this is a lot of work. So if you're just dabbling or just thinking, oh, I'm kind of I'm kind of playing with being a novelist, probably not the course for you, honestly. This is for people who say, I want to win awards. I want to become a best-selling author, and I'm willing to put in the work. Now, the good news is, guaranteed, two guarantees. One, if you get 30 days into it and say, wow, this is more work than I thought, we will give you your money back. And then the other guarantee, five years from now, if you are not a best-selling author. We will give you your money back. We know this is going to work for you. This is what this is what I did. Only it took me longer. Uh, but this is the plan that that I used to become a best-selling author. This is the plan that Thomas has worked with countless authors on their plans to make this come true. So, if you want to know more, you just go to NovelMarketing.com. It is going to be going up after the first of the year. So, if you're interested, we encourage you to check it out immediately.
2: Yeah, and, and one clarification: that five-year guarantee. You have to actually do the work. You <laughs> right. can't just buy the course. You have to actually put it into practice. And if you put it into practice and it doesn't work, yes. we will refund your money thank after you, five Thomas. years. So, yeah, it, it, it's the thing. It's you know, with any kind of training, it only is useful if you actually put it into practice. I have to lift and the weights.
1: What are you talking about? <laughs> you, yeah,
2: you can't just buy the weights. You have to actually go to the gym. So we hope you find that helpful. And uh, again, Tracy, thank you so much for joining us on the show today.
1: You are welcome. And just I wanted to thank you guys, too, for just being a fun podcast, you know, breaking it down, making it understandable, enjoyable, and just really encouraging to writers. Um, I love you guys.
0: You've been listening to the Novel Marketing Podcast with Thomas Umstead, Jr. and James L. Rubart, giving you novel marketing ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing online, offline, and everywhere in between. Thanks for listening.